So technology can help us believe things. For example, who would ever believe someone had a bird in their office unless they could Instagram it? It flew out the window when he opened it. Yay. Yay. <laughs> now we just got to get rid of the fly from your office. And thanks to, te- thanks to technology, we saw that fly. It was a big ass fly. It's either hiding. Or it's dead. Please tell me his next post will have like hashtag free bird or something. I I really think I'm going to need to like give him lots of drinks. (laughs) That's traumatic. I really think that was a traumatic event. I'm sure. Welcome to episode 198 of Pub Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a craft brew pint, a fine wine, or whatever happens to be in your glass. Catch new episodes weekly as the Reverends Ogan Holder, Shannon Weston, and yours truly, Brian Burkoff, address and engage what's happening through a theological lens with a good brew in hand. And that good brew might be in your very own Pub Theology pint glass. One of these beauties could be yours absolutely free if you donate $25 or more to nokidhungry.org. Help feed some struggling families around the country. So donate $25 or more. Send us proof of your donation and we will ship one of these to you free of charge. That's nokidhungry.org, $25 or more. And we thank you. And if you want to go ahead and make that donation, you can get your pint glass just in time for our 200th episode. Woo-hoo! Join us Friday, May 21st, May 21st at 7 p.m. Eastern time. And we are going to be doing a happy hour, a two hour at least happy hour on Facebook Live. Um, we're going to be joined by um, old friends and new friends. And if you're a Patreon member, you're probably going to get a special invite. So also go to Patreon and become a member so you can get that invite real soon. Um, And we would love to answer some of your questions. So you can find us on all the socials at Pub Theology on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and um, send us a question and we will discuss it at our happy hour, May 21st, 7 p.m. Eastern time. This week we are talking about communication technology, the origins of the Bible, clergy burnout, and pandemic-inspired faith. So, for to wrestle with these topics, gentlemen, <laughs> what are we drinking? <laughs> Ooh, not enough. Not enough, right? What, what you got, Brian? Well, uh, going with an old classic uh, Bell's Two-Hearted Ale. It's nice. a terrific IPA that never does you wrong. Even if you don't like IPAs, Ogan. I was gonna say, Two Hearted is one that I will drink in a pinch. You know, yeah. it just if I have uh, to. You need a pinch. I will need like a full headlock and a and an arm arm no. something arm hold. Hogan, what are you drinking? Um, I have a Saint Bernard's Abbey Ale, mm. uh, ABT Twelve, Abbot Twelve. There we so go. So good. It's only a ten percent. I was gonna say it's like ten percent alcohol. <laughs> That's why I'm only doing one beer today. Yeah. Um, so it's our daughter Sophia's birthday on Saturday. 
Happy birthday. You will be nine. So awesome. I am drinking a Goose Island Sophie. Oh, nice. In honor Sorry. of her. It's spelled wrong, but that's okay. Will she be drinking one in honor of her on her birthday? No, she will not. Okay. Um, but this is a Goose Island out of Chicago, a Belgian style Sasson. So oh, love there's it. There's no great description like the Baltimore beers do. Anyway, I'm excited. A good size zone is always in, in season. A 90% Belgian style ale blended with 10% Belgian style ale aged in wine barrels with orange peel. That's the description. Nice. All things I like. What else do you need? What else do you need? Um, so do you prefer to communicate by phone, text, email, social media, other? I don't know what other is, but. We'll yeah, what else is there? Smoke signals? <laughs> carrier carrier pigeon. <laughs> There's one in Derek's office right now. I was gonna say <laughs> I knew we'd look, work it look in for the letter. Um, how many emails then are in your inbox? Uh, I'm checking right now. Too many. Are you asking unread or like clicked just, on? Just total. What is like what does it say parentheses behind inbox? Like an infinite amount, right? Well, mine only says that when they're unread. And I always read them because those things drive me crazy. I don't know if my number is unread or total, but it says eleven thousand six hundred and sixty-four. Yeah, like mine are thousands. So mine's thirty thousand. Five hundred and seventy-one. Five hundred and seventy-one in my inbox. That's it. But I clear it out like regularly. I, I've, I've never cleared out my inbox. Really? Yeah. Oh, and that's not counting. So in, you know, in Gmail, all the, all the like, you know, promotional emails and yes. updates and things get shuffled into other boxes. My promotions yeah. count is at 30,000. Yeah. My updates is at 46,000. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. I have three different email addresses. Yeah, that's also a thing, right? You've got multiple. Okay, so I have 571 in my, like, what's considered my personal email address. I have 435 in my work email. Yep. And I have in my, so then I have an email address designated, which I highly recommend, designated just to, like, coupons and sign up for this promotion mm -hmm. or whatever. They all go to there. Um, and let's see how many are in there. That'll be, that'll be where you get that'll the big be a number. Lot. That'll be a lot. Um, so, so I have 30,000 in my inbox on Gmail, but I also funnel like my church email, pub theology email, all go to my Gmail, if that makes sense. So that account is on Yahoo and it doesn't give me the real number. So I have 999 plus unread. It's beyond numbering. <laughs> in other words. In, in other news, why are you still on Yahoo? <laughs> because this is my first email address ever. Actually, uh, okay. no, I had an AOL address. And go. then I got this one. And this is the one that like every coupon, every like, can we have your email address? And I'm like, sure, go ahead. Smart. And then if I want a coupon, I search the email. Like that's the only reason why I'm gotcha. on it. So back, back to the question, like if, yeah, so what is your preferred route to hear from people? It depends on who I'm, it, it depends on who I'm communicating with. Text me. Yeah. Like some, some people, I want to hear your voice. I want to talk to you. Some people I'm good with a text or an email. Some people I'm just going good to give you that thumbs or heart on Facebook. <laughs> that's all, that's all you're getting. That's, that's it. 
You can send me words and I'll react to the words. Exactly. But no words coming back. Right. Exactly. So it depends on who it is and also what mood I'm in. Yeah. Right. I I committed the the unforgivable sin of. Um, it wasn't that I forgot to call my mom on Mother's Day, but I didn't get to it before she called me to find out if my phone was working. <laughs> it, it got it got bad. Wow. And you know, Sundays are usually a full day with her. It's church. She takes a nice afternoon nap. She runs some errands. So I was like, I just call her in the evening when she starts to settle in. And yeah, the evening just sort of started slipping away. And about like eight thirty, she's calling. I was like, Oh, I forgot. There you go. Yeah. You know. And then she was like, uh. She's wondering if the phone. I don't know. I guess I read that of communicate as if this is this is how skewed I am. Like, how do you prefer to communicate? Like that I read that as like you need something from me. Like, so that's why I'm like, just text me. <laughs> you know? Right, right. Which yeah. like Facebook Messenger to me is texting. Like that's what it yeah. is, really. You know. Um yeah, like so. Facebook Messenger, I don't mind with with folks like you all or people that I'm somewhat close to. But when it's people I don't really know that well, or it's like, of course, all the people who thought that they knew you well now are like, wait, what? Does that mean? I just, I just don't love Facebook Messenger. I'll just put it that way. I don't love Facebook Messenger. It's just, as a whole. it's become another. Like, it's just become another. The thing that I like about texting is you have to have my number. So at yeah. some point I will have had to give you my number. And so you're at a certain level of person because you have my phone number versus Facebook Messenger that anybody can get a hold of, you know. That's true. That's true. And like some people have messaged me like uh Instagram messages and like mm -hmm. those I almost never see. Like I, I literally don't... found one the other day from like February. Like, <laughs> I, I don't use that. I don't look at that. I was wondering why you didn't get back to me. <laughs> Although I have to be careful because my daughter is the only social media she's on is is Instagram and mm. like she'll send me stuff and I have to be careful to check that for her. My preferred is probably texting. Also, I don't love talking on the phone. I don't love Facebook Messenger and Facebook Messenger tells people like when if you're active or if you've read the message, I yes. feel like te text messages, traditional text messages, I can reply in my own time. You know, it feels less intrusive to me. So that's best. Or email. I have about three people who I pick up the phone for. Everybody else goes to voicemail and I see what you want. So you check your voicemails? That's why it's not my preferred. <laughs> Do what? So you check your voicemails? <laughs> um, it reads them to me. Like oh, it will go. show what you said. So I don't listen to it, but I, yeah, I do. I am the worst at checking voicemails, which, uh, you know, when See, you if you didn't give your son that brand new iPhone, <laughs> there you, go. you could have had. There you beat me to it again. I was just about to go there. <laughs> there it I'm is. I'm bad at emails. My turnaround time for emails is like two, three days. And like, that's the thing. I will read your email and I'll forget to respond. Right. But I, I will respond in a text you know quickly and and it's funny it's funny that they're that the people for whom email is their preferred communication so when you when you don't get back to the person quick enough using their preferred communication they get all kinds of bent out of shape uh with you 
Um, but yeah, so it's, that was a, that was really a thing when I, when I had started working at the church and people would email me and cause I didn't get back to them. And their thing was like, you always have your phone on you. How are you not emailing us back? And I was like, well, first of all, I actually might be doing stuff. And I turned off the alerts for my say, I don't have alerts. So yeah. Um, not so for I, email. I, for email, I'm like, I designate like one or two times a day to go check email. Yeah. Um, and that, and that's it. So no, what I, what my, what I hate most though, is when people used e use email, like text messages. What I don't okay, like is when, thanks. like, when, Oh my God, yeah. don't, just don't, just don't reply. Like, <laughs> or when people text me to tell me they've sent me an email. Oh, that's, oh. that's another one. <laughs> They're like, send him a text. He'll see it. But here's the email. <laughs> or how about this one? They stop over. <laughs> they stop over to tell you. I wanted you to know I sent you an email. Yeah, it, that was a lot of the receiving line for many Sundays at church. Did you get my email? I sent you an email. I know you don't respond to emails. So here's what I wrote. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> all, all good things. Oh, my gosh. So I had, I was gonna say I had days when I was running for office where I would leave like between 50 and 200 voicemails for people. And I would like put time and thought and I'm trying to be persuasive. And then I realized later, I don't check my voicemails. These people are never listening to these. And then I stopped doing it. <laughs> I'm like, if they answer, I'll talk. If they don't answer, I'm not wasting my time or theirs. By if you don't this. answer, send me a text message. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, in my, like my three people that I talked to on the phone, they don't even leave me voicemails because they're just like, you saw my missed call. You saw I called. Right. Exactly. I don't need to say what I need, what I like, because I'm just calling to be like, hey, just wanted to talk, you know, mm -hmm. like whatever. So the history of human communication can be tracked back since the origin of speech circa 500,000 BCE. The use of technology in communication may be considered since the first use of symbols on cave walls about 30,000 years BCE. There's a lot of math going on in my head. <laughs> a long time ago. That was a, yeah, okay, yeah. super duper duper no, long time ago. Read the years. You gotta ask how long ago that was. <laughs> right. Writing was a major innovation as well as printing technology and more recently telecommunication and the internet. It's only been a hundred years since the first radio broadcast. What kind of communication do you envision a hundred years from now? Telepathy. Right? Yeah. It's like my friend that I go for a walk on has like Google glasses mm -hmm. that like, what? like, so she can read. So while she's walking around the neighborhood with me, she can read text messages. Yeah. A little heads up display. Going I thought they ended that. So we're no, already there. They, they, uh, they, they never, they never ended the Google glass program. They just stopped talking about it. Mm -hmm. Cause, cause Google does a lot of, they do that all the time. They'll, they'll fire up stuff and then promote it and then say nothing about it. And then like years later, all of a sudden it's like, yes, we updated our Google glass and like, wait, that's still a thing. Um, but, but you remember last week we talked about, you know, Elon Musk and microchips in our brains or whatever. Yeah, so a yeah, hundred yeah. years from now, going to be implants that we could mentally send messages from, from chip to chip. You can just put a SIM card and like upload. Yeah, what? we're going to have a little slot. New languages, your favorite exactly. games. That you oh, that'd play. be great. Oh, exactly. That would be awesome. Exactly. Now, 
I literally, I was writing. Can I borrow that sermon you have on this chip and I'll just. I was writing something today. We could just mentally, we could just mentally give the sermon to all the congregants. We don't have to speak it. You're like, right. It's like, We can it do is. it through their preferred way of communication. Exactly. Yes, there it is. Wow. <laughs> all right. So, so go ahead, Shannon. Well, I was saying, I'm writing something today. We're trying to, we're doing some upgrades in our building and stuff while we're gone. And, and I'm writing this thing about why we need some new technology stuff, right? And I was like, I know that the majority of this was done 15 years ago, but let me talk to you about that in technology terms. The iPhone wasn't invented 15 years ago. No, it feels like it's been so much longer. Right. So like it does. It feels like the iPhone's been around forever. Because there's more like, than 15 versions of it. Exactly. I was like, <laughs> let me put this into some perspective for yeah. you that when this technology was in, you were using flip phones that you thought was cool that had a camera on it that took black and white photos, you know? Exactly. Like, let's just think about it that way. <laughs> We've come so far so fast. Yeah, I mean, even reading that, like a hundred years since the first radio, like that's incredible. It's only been that recently. And then as you just said, 15 years since or less since the iPhone, like things are just technology so rapidly expanding it's it is mind-boggling to think about a hundred years from now because that's so long so the idea the idea behind the that you know the technological singularity is that we we can't predict what will happen and it's and what is it estimated to be 2045 or something like that yeah. um is what futurists are saying like we we don't know what will happen because when 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 true AI kicks in, not not the basically programmable kind we have now, but but true sentient AI happens and computing uh, reaches truly like brain level proportions, like we we don't know what's gonna happen after that. Um, so we can we can doomsday it or we can go like you know it may be used for good or whatever, but it's it's gonna be impossible to predict. But I mean, we have we have a situation going on in our country right now where somebody hacked into a pipeline and the whole Eastern seaboard doesn't have gas. Yes, was just thinking that. I saw a picture today with a dude in the gas station and he's got a trailer with like, I don't know, like a 200 gallon tank. Or oh something. my God, a tank of water, like a water tank. Yeah, I'm like, pumping gas asshole. in it. I'm like, what do you think's gonna happen, man? Uh, First off, that is not an authorized container and you could blow no. up this entire place. Oh and my dude, God. Like, I just, I'm, I mean, <laughs> one of the things that I, that great, like kind of uh, statistic, or it's not a statistic, but that, you know, like since the industrial revolution, this past hundred years of technology has surpassed all the years before it. Yep. Yeah. Like, combined. Combined. Like I, I, every year that existed before a hundred years ago, we have passed it te technologically. Insane. So like, think about, I don't even think about a hundred, think about 10, 15, 20, yep. 50 years, you know, right. we're going to, that number is so rapidly expanding life changed so significantly you know post world war ii and the invention of you know the microchip and computer systems and all of that like we can't so as long as we hit that singularity before uh we die then we can be sort of uploaded and sort of achieve immortality is that the I, listen listen the goal, i can't Logan? i can't wait i can't wait <laughs> i can't friggin wait are you kidding yeah, many people are afraid of it, but I think uh, it's it's that's where we're heading, and and we can't we can't stop the train, and and this is just the stuff we know we because we all know there's a lot of secret things happening that we don't know about, 
right? Because wait, I mean, you mentioned the internet, right? So how long was the internet around before it was available to the consumers? So the military DARPA program right. developed the internet. It was only like sometime afterwards that it's like, oh, let's create this as a public platform. So, so we think about what we know about and have access to now, like what's going on behind the closed doors in the secret labs that we don't know about. Fair enough. And it excites me. I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a sci-fi geek. So, so this sort of thing um, excites me. And we also have to remember that again, part of the reason I think that people get scared or frightened about the unknown is that yes, these are tools that are truly agnostic that can be used for good or can be used for ill. Right. So, so as, as much as technology progress progresses, we've got to also like evolve in a more sane and conscious way as well so yeah. that we use the technology uh, for good and not for crazy. So fun fact, before we move on, do you all know what the first radio broadcast was? Ooh, no. Hello, Watson, can you hear me? I have actually preached on this. It was a man named Reginald Fezenden or something in Massachusetts in 1906. And he played Silent Night on his violin for the ships to the frequency of the ships in the harbor on, on Christmas Eve. Oh, how cool. Nice. So that was the very first radio broadcast ever. So a little, if you ever preach on Oh Holy Night, sorry, not Silent Night, Oh Holy Night. If you ever preach on Oh Holy Night, you can use that Love one. it. So we went from we went from a radio broadcast of Oh Holy Night to like shock jocks. Exactly. And... <laughs> you know, I mean, let's be honest, Dick Clark was the highlight of them all. So it's, you know. uh, I'd like, I'd like to think podcasting <laughs> is, you know, the, the next Podcasting is radio. new radio, right? This yeah. is just radio in another form. And this is, the, this is like, this is like radio for the people. Exactly. So writing the, uh, the Bible was dependent on the available technologies at the time. Originally oral communication letter written down on scrolls and parchment. Given the rapid advancement of human communication, could something like a singular holy book be created or received today? Discuss the role of available technology in the founding of various religious traditions. So when you when you say singular holy book, so I, I have I have follow-up question. When you say singular holy book, you mean a, a, a book that upon which an entire religion or movement is established around is that where you were going with this yeah maybe so i mean because in fairness as we all know the the bible is a bunch of books or a bunch of writings that were sort of compiled together yeah a bunch of fiction but you know what i mean right or the quran right which that is more of a singular source mm -hmm. right so i'm so i'm thinking of like in i'm thinking of like the course in miracles Right. The Course in Miracles, um, if you've never heard about it, it's a book where the author, she said that this was a this was a, a basically a download from Jesus. Divine she, message. Right. Divine message from Jesus. And she writes this Course in Miracles. And like this is a singular book that has spawned like all kinds of groups, movements, like, True. you know, sort of deal. And this it's not that old. I think it was like in the 80s. Yes, not that, that old. That rolled out. Right. So. What about the the Urantia book? Do you, do you know that one? Uh, not so well. I'm I'm stuck on the idea that we're post book or the Book of Mormon. Like I don't 
feel that we're beyond books yet. No, no, no. I still feel like books are. No, no, we're not. I'm not saying we're beyond books, but I'm saying because of where we are technology wise, it feels that the book, the actual book will be like the last thing, right? <laughs> it feels like people are more skeptical of anything claiming divine origin. That That's maybe how I'll say it. Well, it depends on who you ask, because, you know, there are a lot of people running around up there claiming that. I mean, for some people, Trump's tweets are the word of God. I was going to say, I was <laughs> I was trying to find a gentle way to go there. But yeah, let's just let's just say it out loud. And when <laughs> you, you censor him, you censor the word of God on the Internet. You know, exactly. Exactly. Wow. So um, I think to your point, I don't believe yes. that. I'm just saying, <laughs> just saying you know, well, thanks for clarifying. <laughs> I just want that out there that I don't want that to be some clip that's pulled out that like, yes. <laughs> Um, I think it goes both ways, right? I think because of because we have the world of information at our fingertips, um, there are people that who are skeptical that can go do research and go look things up. But then there are also people who, because of how we can easily like distribute information or misinformation now, will will latch on to a thing that supports their worldview and just run with that. Like like for example, right now, you know. We, we had the whole like, you know, anti-vaxxers, anti-maskers who are now apparently wearing masks because because of now the newest conspiracy theory is that those of us who got the vaccine are apparently now shedding the the the, the lipids that surround the the covid uh, molecule. So now we can spread it more easily to those who don't have the vaccine. So now the anti-maskers are wearing masks to protect themselves from us who've been vaccinated. Great. Excellent. <laughs> you know what? Anyway, anyway, we get them. <laughs> That's so good with me. I'm good with it. But yeah, it song, is so song. infernally and frustratingly hey, stupid. But to Shannon's point, they're wearing the mask. It, it, it took them a while to get there, but now they're As, getting there. To quote my governor, <laughs> wear the damn mask. Or to quote Apostle Paul, whether the gospel is preached by false pretenses or true, <laughs> at least it's still going forth. There, there, there you go. So, um, to but to the point of, of us being post-book, um, I think that um, you know, if if anyone's doing anything, it's gonna it's gonna show up on social media first, right? It's gonna garner attention, hit hit mainstream media, and then somebody will write a book. Yeah, but who's like, oh, that must have been God? Like, it just I feel like, dude, you would be surprised. I, I love, human skepticism is way higher today than it was no. when the Bible was written. I think it, um, for some of us, yes. For some of us, no. Okay. I mean, there are still people out there who are believing Jesus will protect them from the coronavirus. So, I mean, I mean and, and Mormonism is one of the fastest growing religions, and I'm it's not hard saying. to do a little history, recent right. history about the origins of all that. And it's a little sketchy. Right. So part of it, I think a lot of the uh, marketing and the delivery of the messages have changed. Yeah. Right. Um, so 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 the reason mormonism is one of the fastest growing religions is that people aren't leading with some of the more esoteric writings right they're leading with the uh, the community connectedness they've got a good pr department they do they got a great marketing program <laughs> i think i mean i think this conversation is more to what we touched on with can it, it 
with the misinformation campaigns, et cetera, et cetera. Like, would something of that magnitude, um, you know, with, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm actually sitting, I'm debating with myself in my head. So I apologize. I was trying to talk out loud and then I, I want to hear it. I want to hear the debate. Come on. So here's the debate on one. So I, where I went to is like Jesus resurrection, right? Like, can that story be told in today's modern day? Prove it, right? Where's your phone? Where's your blah, blah, blah. Where's right. your whatever. On the other hand, like immediately I went, but George Floyd, we had the video, we have it. And I do think that I mean, it's been proven right now that that created a, a new understanding of mm-hmm. Black Lives Matter, of police reform that wasn't there before. And so on one hand, yeah, I think the, these, the type of technologies we have can hinder, right? Our, our beliefs and things like, like if we see something in the sky, we can disprove it. And it's not an angel from heaven or it's not a UFO even, right? Or it's whatever. And on the other hand, we have this technology that helps prove injustice in the world. And, and I don't know, I don't. I, I, so part of it again, comes down to our, as, as an individual, are you willing to have your beliefs challenged and then change them based on the information, right? Because, because we, we tend to, our, our tendency as humans is to gravitate towards the information that supports our, our already held beliefs, as opposed to going like, oh, there's, this, there's a whole wealth of information out there that disproves my belief. So therefore I should change my belief. We don't, we don't tend to do that as humans, right? So. So I think for me, it comes, it, it, it again, it, it kind of doesn't matter because there are people who will not change their beliefs regardless of how it's communicated to them and what's in the message. Here's, here's where I slightly, here's where my optimism comes in. I think that the people that absolutely won't change are a smaller group than we think in the world. Oh, I agree with you. They're smaller and they're louder as they and they're always louder. tend to be. <laughs> I think that the majority of people, you know, I sat in a meeting last night where people came in saying, I'm voting no, there isn't anything you can say, blah, blah, blah. An hour long discussion happened and in the end. It was a unanimous yes vote, right? Right. And, Minds it, were right. and this is just, it's like, oh. Hearts. And literally somebody after the meeting said, I forgot that that existed in the world. You know, I yes. forgot that we could actually listen to one another. And of course, this is a church meeting of people that love each other and everything else. Yeah. But but it took people willing to hear the no people. Like here mm-hmm. are my here's why the conversation, and then mo- you know moving towards well, okay, we didn't necessarily compromise, but you know. You know, I would I would like to think that that's the norm. And then I watched the news and, you know, the House GOP has just ousted Liz Cheney. <laughs> and, and now I'm going like, mm, I don't know. Yeah, yeah but for sure. That's OK. <laughs> no, it's not it's OK. Not okay. <laughs> it's not OK. She's one of the few Republicans who's saying, like, we can't keep promoting this big lie of the election being stolen. Oh, wait, it's, she's it's not who mechanized. I thought she was. She I was cannot... thinking of three name lady. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You're thinking of yeah, Marjorie yeah. Green. Yes, thank yeah, you. No, yeah. Sorry, I was thinking of the other person. Liz says Trumpism cannot be this party. 
Well, it's when Al Franken resigned and people were like, but other people have done worse. And it's like, that's not the point, right? He's he's making a statement by doing this. You know? So technology can help us believe things. For example, who would ever believe someone had a bird in their office unless they could Instagram it? It flew out the window when he opened it. Yay. Yay. <laughs> now we just got to get rid of the fly from your office. And thanks to, te- thanks to technology, we saw that fly. It was a big ass fly. It's either hiding. Or it's dead. Just, please tell me his next post will have like hashtag Freebird or something. I, I really think I'm gonna need to like give him lots of drinks tonight. That's <laughs> <laughs> traumatic. I really think that was a traumatic event for him. I, I'm sure. For those of you listening, my husband had a bird in his office r- like five minutes before I came up here. It could have gone sideways. I don't do birds and he doesn't do birds. So he yeah. was like, I'm gonna call animal control. I was like, animal control is not coming out for a bird. <laughs> like, bird. Not oh, happening. We have a raccoon in the house, <laughs> they'll come out, but like right. not for <laughs> anyway. Um, so I think this is an interesting conversation we should have. For some pastors, including one in our midst, the past year was a sign from God that it was time to quit. According to a story from the religious news service, already stretched thin, these clergy found the demands of the pandemic producing video church to combating conspiracy theories took all the joy out of the job, discussed the threat of clergy burnout and what can be done to mitigate it. Um, What can be done to mitigate it? Uh, More sabbaticals more often. (laughs) Here, here. No, for real, that's real. For real. Like, I mean, so, that actually would yes. genuinely it help. Would. That has been it, proven. It would. So, so in in when I was working for the church that I just recently quit because of the COVID, I wouldn't say it was a sign from God. Uh, it, was, it was probably. Oh a, come on, lean in. It, it was a sign from my <laughs> blood pressure. <laughs> I'm gonna go with that. <laughs> Nobody said God doesn't work through blood pressure. <laughs> Touche. Um, but but um, where was I going with this now? God. I forgot you distracted me. I am so distracting. Um, (laughs) So first off, we are stretched thin. Like, let's just, let's acknowledge that. I mean. Oh, I remember. I got it now. The more often sabbaticals. So my contract, it was after seven years, I got a six month sabbatical. Six month sabbatical. You might as well go for it. Six. Well, I mean, I negotiated that. I'm a good. I'm just trying to get three and a half months here, right? And I said about two years in, I said to the board, I said, I'd like to renegotiate this instead of instead of six uh, six months after seven years. I'd like three months. Yeah. After every four years. Yep. Boom. Right. Boom. You know, shorter, more often. Because, because like after two years, especially two years with going through like, you know, Jennifer dying and the grief of that first year and coming back to that and freaking, and that was my first senior minister post. I'm like, I can tell like six years is gonna be a really long time. And to give you an indication of how bad it was referring back to this article, like that sabbatical would have been due next year, Mm -hmm. right? And, and in my head, I was like, I just need to hold on. I just need to hold on through 2021 and I'll make it to like that promised land of the sabbatical, you know? And, and I realized like, 
then I'm here for the wrong reason right now. Right. If all I'm doing is just trying to hang on for a sabbatical, that's that's for not break. for a break. For a break, right? If I'm if I'm like just working this hard just for a break, I really need to re-examine <laughs> why why I'm here. Now, having had my sabbatical and getting the grant mm. to do so, I will say a thousand percent worth it. <laughs> yeah. I hope the committee reviewing my grant applications listening. We would we would like that. Do you though? <laughs> or maybe not. <laughs> hey, I mean clergy pay varies, right? Some of us yeah. are adequately paid, some of us are overpaid, let's be honest about. Yeah, looking at you Creflo dollar, overpaid. <laughs> and probably more are underpaid. Right. <laughs> but if but if we can if we can are, are in a position to be able to, I would much rather have more vacation than a raise. I would much rather trade my raise for a week of vacation. Well, and and again, if you're able to- Can we, can we split the difference? Yeah. <laughs> How about a both and? I'm here in a both and. There you go. So, so in, my first, in my first church, they couldn't afford to give me a raise. They just couldn't. Right. And yeah. I mean, they couldn't do it. And I had, I, I was able to make it with another salary coming in, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And I was like, I would rather have another week of vacation than you give me a raise. I ended up doing that twice within seven years. Right. Okay. So I ended up with six weeks of vacation because our minimum's four. Nice. And again, I have a, I have a denomination that protects that. Right. I, I have a minimum of six weeks off that's mandatory that they have to give me four yeah. weeks of vacation and two weeks of study leave. Right. So Ooh. not everybody has that either. I need nope. to renegotiate my contract. I'm just taking notes. So now I have seven, I have seven where I am now. I have four weeks of study leave and three weeks of continuing it. And I have one week to do, well, I can't do it now, but like do a mission trip. You mean four weeks of vacation. You said four weeks of study leave and three weeks of continuing education. Sorry, four weeks of vacation, three weeks of yeah. study leave, and then one week of mission work that I don't have to come back and preach after I've nice. you know, yeah. come back. Nice. So that's the negotiation now. People look at that and then like, well, that's eight weeks out of the year. Nobody else gets that much vacation. To which I say back, and I don't get a long weekend ever. Exactly. Yeah, we give up all weekends. I give up every weekend. We don't, we don't, we don't. Our 40 hour week really isn't 40 hours. Like you don't have to take a week off if you don't want to, to go to a friend's wedding. You know, I do, right? Yep. Like you don't have to, like you get a three day weekend with your family. You can go away for a couple of days. I don't get that. You know, I don't, I don't You're also do not on call for crises, that kind of thing. I have this new therapist that was like, what do you, what do you mean? Like all the time? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. yeah, all the time. Like, she's like, well, what do you, and I was like, S I go, I have some periods of time where I leave my phone upstairs. That's important for me, like an hour or two, but after a couple hours, I need to check my phone. Like, I need to know, like, not that there's really like those calls in the middle of the night for me are few and far between, but yeah. So you do time. check your voicemail. That's why I check my voicemail, Brian. <laughs> and I say to people, like, if you call me on Friday, normally on Friday and Saturday, which are my days off, is if you call me on Friday and Saturday, I'm not going to answer. 
but leave me a yeah. voicemail. Yeah. I will. I promise you, I will read your voicemail. Yeah. Well, I will listen. You listen. will have it read to you. I will have my voicemail read to me yeah. and find out what you needed. But they also know, yeah. speaking to that, they also know the parameters, the boundaries around my time off, yeah. you know, why I don't check email on Friday and Saturday. If it's an emergency, they need to call or text. If they email me or they do come to me, I want, I'm not going to respond if it's not an emergency, you know? Yeah. And I, and I, so I think you're highlighting some things that are, are needed to help uh, mitigate against burnout. And some people might say, well, what are clergy just soft or do they need coddling? And it's like, you got to understand the stresses of the job, particularly in the uh, political environment that we're currently in, where people are just so charged up and so divided and that's infiltrated the church hundred percent. Oh, and people have such strong yeah. opinions and you're putting yourself out there. You're putting your heart on your sleeve every week and you're going to hear back inevitably people who didn't like it or people who well, disagreed or people who wish you'd do more of this or more of that. It's hard. And just dealing with people that will never, ever, ever be satisfied, no matter what you do. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Damn if you do, damn if you don't. And your job right. is to love them anyway. It's the mama that calls you to make sure your phone's still working on Mother's Day. I got 20 <laughs> of those mamas, you know? And part of it also is is people, a lot of people see us in relation to how they experience the church. So for a lot of people, church is the Sunday morning service. And they see us on Sunday morning and they're like, well, that's all they do because that's all church is. Right. You don't get that from people who are more heavily involved in the church life and stuff that happens during the week and so on. They understand, they have a better understanding of, yeah, this job is much more beyond Sunday, right? People are like, he is my pastor, therefore it's just a one-on-one -on -one relation. But for us, it's like one on, you know, a hundred, one on one twenty, one on fifty, one on yep. three hundred. So it's a different, it's a different ratio for us. And heaven forbid we are like, you know, introverts, Enneagram nines or fours or empaths, you know, like that like the energy is <clears throat> you know, back to the article, part of I remember, and I've, and I've shared this before, the first, like, it took me about, about two or three Sundays after, like, pandemic shut down in-person services, and we went online. About two or three Sundays after, you know, of doing online services, I realized it's like two o'clock Sunday afternoon, and I'm, like, wide awake, have energy, and I'm sitting around not knowing what to do with myself yeah. because I'm not usually awake two o'clock in the afternoon, Sunday afternoon, because I am exhausted. <laughs> from just the Sunday morning. And that was, and, and when we were talking about like coming back to in-person services, right? There was that piece of me that's like, wait, do I want to go back to that level of, of expenditure, of, of exhaustion? It had nothing to do with not loving the people that I was serving. It wasn't about that, but at some point, you know, we all got to say to ourselves, like, what, how, how how are we going to love ourselves in such a way that we are we are we are not draining ourselves in service but but edifying ourselves in service being a minister is perhaps one of the most noble professions that you could be in but if it kills you right along the way from stress and all that like you know you 
you know, clergy and high blood pressure and, 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 and the heart disease and, and all the disease associated with stress. There's like a laundry list. But then people will say, well, if it kills you, I mean, you are telling people to follow Jesus and you should be example number one. You know what? You know, I'm glad you bring that up, right? Because when you read the Gospels, what was Jesus doing? All of a sudden, he's always disappearing out in the wilderness, yeah. right? Stirring up trouble, disappearing into the wilderness. We talk about the whole the the whole uh, um, parable of him calming the storm, and we make a fuss about that. But I always remind people, dude was asleep on the boat. Yeah, he, he was, was napping. Okay, but not just that, but our theology is very specific that there has been a sacrifice made and mm -hmm. you are not Jesus and you don't need to make it. There you go. Right? Exactly. Like, weird. That. Like the, I, I think really we go, we go in a big misdirection when we start talking about needing to suffer in the way that Christ suffered in a very, you know, in, in to use that to keep people down. Right. Right. That can be abused. It to be a bit right. Like that is not any, anywhere in the gospel. Like, let's make sure we keep people under our boot because Jesus was once under a boot. Like, uh-uh, no, that is, that is not gospel. That's yeah. But I do think, you know, right now we have a ton of decision fatigue, like a ton of decision. Fatigue. Seriously. Yes. You know, and I, yes. I'm, I'm struggling. I'm, we're in meetings and although we're, we're making progress, we're making decisions getting to that decision is 10 times harder than it has ever been before because we're exhausted. Yep. Yep. And, and not just me, like all my leadership is included in that, right? They're all exhausted and we don't have any patience anymore for each other. And we just want to go back to normal and like, well, no, we need to provide the Sunday morning video, but also why can't we have outdoor worship every Sunday too? And I'm going, because that's two completely different services and yep. like that's double my work and yep. they're going but what's the big deal <laughs> yeah i have a friend who's doing that they're starting around when we are in june and they're going to produce the pre-recorded and do outdoor and i'm like I, that's double the effort for the same thing you're set and you're setting yourself up right and you're, you're, yes you're, you're creating, setting yourself up for failure and creating that. a precedent too that people will be like oh well you were doing that like it's easier to not have it than to start it and then people will want it and well and one of the things i'm trying to figure out is you know i'm gonna i think i'm gonna end up doing i'm doing a simple kind of prayer service outside and i'm i'm gonna end up like pulling on resources right so i'm gonna choose a devotional or something that i'm yep. gonna use and you know something like that but what i'm also gonna do is the one late in the month because we we've i've i've committed to two a month you mm -hmm. know weather permitting of course but i'm gonna have bring your own communion we're gonna record the communion on that and then that's gonna be used in the video for the first sunday so and and that's honestly if we can get the if we get the recording like there might be some issues outside of not being able to get the recording there might be a bird there might be a bird in your office and you might be not be able no, to a do bird it. outside <laughs> There might be a fly around and sits on the community bed. So, no. but there's, but there's anxiety about thinking about doing anything in person right now. And like my wife, Christy said, she had a terrible nightmare last night thinking about our first Sunday back in person. And we're meeting on this upstairs outdoor patio. And in her dream, people were like 
hanging on the outside of the, like hanging on the building and it was packed and it was way over capacity. Yeah. But we were somehow stuck in another building, but someone had started to live stream without us and people were texting us and saying, where are you? And this place is packed. All of Holland is here. What's happening? But we're anxious, you know, like yeah. it's hard. Well, and, and a lot of the reason, I mean, a lot of our people are very forthcoming about how vac like, yes, we're vaccinated. You know, really we've, our church has probably hit that herd immunity level. Like yeah. it probably would be pretty safe for us to go back indoors. Right. And we're not for that reason, because right. we need to, we need to get used to meeting together outdoors. Got to ease. Um, actually, I'm really interested in this. My best friend who's been on the show, Melissa DeRosa, she's, they're talking about doing a red, yellow, green system where you actually have a name tag. And if you're red, it means please keep your mask. Even if they're doing outdoor worship, only outdoor, yeah. but it means please keep your mask on when talking to me, stay six feet away. Like I'm mm -hmm. not comfortable, you know, <clears throat> and then all the way to the green, which is like, you can hug me, you know, it's fine. I'm okay. But it's, but it's more about the psychological place that you're in, right? you know, because yeah, most like of our people are vaccinated. Um, yeah. and I just thought that is really very clever because it's, it's a way to tell people where you are without having the pressure of saying, can you back up? Because that's awkward. That's still awkward for us. Um, yeah, that's good. But again, even getting that discussing that in a committee, it's exhausting. It's exhausting. And then you're like, well, we need to have and, enough pens where there's clean pens and dirty pens. Yeah. And, like and I think, and I think a lot of it is to this day, people still don't have a fundamental understanding of what this job entails. Right. You know, not and, to, right. Not to mention I, don't know, I had a and, funeral and, yesterday that. Right. Was, and, and, and I think, and, and there's a part of me that I remember there was a part of me that was like, how much of, how much am I complicit in that? Right. Yeah. How much do I talk about how much, strain this job is but then am i gonna sell and come complaining right, right. we that's, pay you a, we, pay, we pay you a good salary do your job and don't complain so 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 it's it's that thing but but i think part of it is is we do we do need to take some time as clergy to <laughs> suck it up buttercup <laughs> brian just wrote that in the chat suck it up buttercup show title um we have to I think as clergy do a better job of explaining, not complaining, but explaining right, yes. this is what my job entails. This is the toll it takes on me. And this is why I have these boundaries set up. Me right. setting up these boundaries doesn't mean I'm not gonna do my job. Setting up these boundaries enables me to do my job better. Yeah. Right. And people get to understand that. Now, it doesn't mean that I'm telling you if you are like find yourself in the emergency room at 2 a.m., you don't let me know. But at 2 a.m., I am probably going to be asleep. So don't right. be upset if I don't get back to you till I wake up the next morning. Right. Well, I'm not I'm not 911. And right, we right, have right. stories of people who call their pastors before they call 911 when they're right. having an emergency. Yeah, don't right. do that. And, don't I, do that. and I just. I want to add one of the things is is about the sabbatical as we talk about this is it's not just huge amounts of time like six months three months but if you're a parishioner if you're a person who has a clergy person in your life encouraging them to take multiple weeks at a time right yeah. and to be able to talk to your church about why that's important yeah and and that's what 
the, the time off for me during sabbatical was vital. What was important for them was to hear what you're talking about. They could hear that in a new way. Yeah. Here's why she needs a break. When she comes back, here's what I learned, right? I said to them, here's what I learned about myself. Here's what I learned about our community. And here's what I learned that could help us moving forward for me to be a better pastor to you. So that when I am here, I am present and right. not, you know, off somewhere else. And that was the important, the conversation was the most vital piece of that um, in that time. And I want to uh, get, okay. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I just, I want to get to our last question very quickly. Mm -hmm. um, nearly half of white evangelicals in the U.S., 49% said that their faith grew stronger during the coronavirus outbreak, more than any other group, according to the Pew Research Survey. Discuss the survey result and how your faith has been impacted by the pandemic. Well, I didn't, I didn't see the survey, but when we say their faith grew stronger, was it stronger in Jesus will protect us from the virus or like where we, I mean, it's I, a, I don't think we can judge that. It's a fair question. I mean, I find it interesting that that was the group that was, had the, the highest that their faith grew stronger due to the coronavirus outbreak, same group that was most likely to not wear a mask and to say vaccines aren't helpful. Right, because Jesus will save us. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> so is that the wrong kind of faith? Or Yes. I mean, what, what do you say about that? That is the wrong kind. Like, that is bad theology. My I'll, question I'll is it. then what your faith grew, what was your faith really in? Exactly. In your rightness? In your, exactly. in your belief? In, in your, your political own leaders who are misleading you? Right. Or was your faith did your faith grow in God because you experienced God in a new way by not right. working, by resting more, by, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, there could be very legitimate faith growth for sure. Right. I mean, I have a lot of people that have said, oh, I have recommitted myself to church. Like I've, I've really begun to understand how important and vital this is to my life and how much, because I miss it so much. Yeah. I have a feeling that's not what they're saying yes to. No. Right. And I, and I wish the people who say, uh, because I trust in God, I don't need a vaccine would shift that to because I trust God, I don't need a gun. Like one, a, if, if, just, just if, saying, no, I don't disagree with you. Right. Like, and, and that's been, you know, kind of going around. Um, and I don't want to, by the way, I don't want to just like crap all over white evangelicals. Like I you don't, I don't mind. I mean, okay, listen, <laughs> No, listen, but to your point, no, I'm joking because I agree with you because there have been, there have been, there have been some fundamental shifts over the last year. Right. You know? There have been evangelicals who have shifted and yeah. have said, get the vaccine, wear a mask. We have people in our church who have died. This right. is, this is a real thing that we yeah. gotta, we gotta deal with and we gotta deal with it from a scientific place. There have been evangelical yeah. churches that have stood up for racial justice in a yes, way they sure. never yeah, have before. Yes. Um, Saddleback Church just ordained three women to ministry. Love the it. largest Southern Baptist church in the convention just ordained three women. Like something is happening yeah. and some kind of renewed faith is happening or common sense or okay let's or the you know, holy spirit the holy spirit right or Pentecost is coming up you know let's but it's so i i just 
yes, I can be very cynical about the statistic and be like, you know, Jesus will save me. And I read this horrible article about this man who got coronavirus and was in the hospital and was intubated and then came out and it was like, I'm, I'm just really a strong person. And I'm like, dude, science saved you. Like, <laughs> shut up. And he was like, I'm mm. still not wearing a mask and I'm still not, and this is all a hoax. And I'm like, I, I just, there's no hope. And, but you've got to, we've got to be a lot more careful, especially for me as a faith leader, I need to be careful to not, not let that one story demonize the whole. Right. right. I do think there's a type of shift that's happening. What, what are you showing us? A friend just showed me these cards that some churches are handing out to parishioners. Oh it says vaccinated by the Lord. And then there's a checkbox that says protected by the antibody of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Then at the bottom, you have been vaccinated by Christ. His blood protects from all. Yeah, there it is. Get your vaccination card. So I did a funeral yesterday. Now, when you usually, when I, I'm just going to, I'm going to end on this because this is, you know, um, because those people like I, when I did a funeral, I did a funeral yesterday for a beloved man who my heart goes out to his family, but they were um, true Southerners. They were very proud Southerners. And literally I said to the funeral director, if they put a Confederate flag on that, I'm walking. But anyway, <laughs> wow! Like, I was like, I'm not staying if they do that. Yeah. Um, and but there were when we pulled into the cemetery, there were four or five other burials happening. This was a Tuesday morning, like wow. that never right. A Tuesday morning, like there's one family, right? This was four or five. The funeral director was saying they had ten on Saturday five on Sunday, you know, multiples on Monday and Tuesday. And I was like, he was like, we are exhausted. I'm like, yeah, you are. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't, I still don't understand. And I can't, I can't engage. I mean, we've talked about this multiple times. Like I can't engage, yeah. but, but even during that funeral, this was the first funeral I had that I have to admit. Um, it was the first funeral I had since being fully vaccinated. So when I was speaking, I did take my mask off. And, and I was very far away, you know, I was a good 12 feet away from the first row. So I was okay doing that. But I looked in the back and there are people without a mask on, they're just refusing to wear it. And I'm just like, you're going to get everybody in this room sick. And this family might have to deal with another death just because of you. And that's exactly what's happening. So no, don't tell me your faith grew. If your faith tells you to go out and kill people, mm -mm, I'm not okay with it. Mm because that's exactly what's happening. Yeah. That's exactly what's happening. Yeah, yeah. And 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 we have we have irresponsible leaders, right? And that's that's the thing. We we somehow somehow we have turned the uh right the 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 the, the right of free speech and um, rugged individualism into saying that I can't help I can't or shouldn't be held accountable for when I say and do things that endangers the lives of others. You know, back to the gunpoint that you made, like, you know, how many mass shootings are, 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 are we happening exactly. in, in, in the month? Like how many, right? You know, there's a reason we have the highest COVID death death toll. Hopefully India won't catch up, but it looks like they're heading there, uh, you know, because of because of this ridiculousness. And, and 
you know, there's there's no accountability for for leaders who lead people astray. And, you know, the, again, back to the whole Liz Cheney thing and, you know, right. the other House Republican, uh, Adam Kin Kinzinger is his name, I think, mm -hmm. you know, who who get up and say, listen, we're we're committed to the Republican Party, but we all are we owe our constituents the responsibility to be honest with them right and there's there's not that honesty there's not the there's not the quest for honesty there's the quest for power there's the quest for money there's greed and when that is always the motivator and let's be clear that happens in churches as well when yeah. that's the quest when that's when that's the goal right then we will say things that will put other people in harm and 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 i wish there was a system that was in place that removed people from power who who perpetuated that sort of thing that literally cost lives yep you know they should be held accountable i think there's actually a civil suit against the former president because of how he downplayed the the virus, I like to, I can't wait to see how that rolls out. Um, but but it's it's insane, you know. And I re I re remember the uh, prime minister of New Zealand. I forget her name, but she was speaking on the issue of gun control because when they had their biggest like mass shooting, like they you know gun buybacks changed the laws everything. And she says, I really don't understand why this doesn't happen in the U.S. And she says this, and I'm watching the TV going, uh, it's called greed and right. lust for power. Right. <laughs> like that's that's what it is. And and the the somehow we've managed the irresponsible leaders again, whether it's politicians, clergy, whoever managed to convince people that their irresponsible misinformation is truth and 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 you know some of us have the wherewithal to go do the research go get the correct information to challenge it but our general trend as humans is to believe the information that supports our already held beliefs and and unless and unless we are willing to get comfortable with deconstruction, then many of us are gonna be stuck where we are. For sure, for sure. And I, you know, back to the the question about you know fifty percent of white evangelicals saying their faith grew. I don't want to. I don't love to question when someone says my faith grew. Right. I want to take them, uh, take that at face value. Trust that that something good happened there. But for all the reasons we've said we have too much evidence that a decent percentage of that, we might cringe a little at what they mean by that. I cringe a lot. <laughs> you say, I, 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 I cringe a lot. Cause, cause I kind of know what that means. Right. Yeah. For the, for the, for the most part. But, yep. um, but I think I, I, I always land, I always end up in optimism because I always, again, when when I look at rights in front of me, what's right in front of me, and it tends to overwhelm, I always like pull back and look at the long view. And the truth is, the long view is that, you know, incrementally in fits and starts, we're doing better as a human race. We're doing better, yes. you know, and we're going to continue to do better. And then when we can get microchips in our brains, mm, wait for it. That's it, man. 
Leap, leaps and bounds. Way to bring it around. Thank way, you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Way to bring it around. That, that's a good, good note to end on. Thank you, friends, for tuning in. You can show your love for Pub Theology Live by becoming a supporter on Patreon. Get access to extended interviews with special guests. Listen to all the fun before and after the show. And if you'd like to do that, you can get started for just a couple bucks over at patreon.com slash PT live and a big thank you to our current patrons. And if you join now, you can join us for our 200th episode happy hour, which is May 21, uh, Friday, May 21, 7 PM Eastern. That'll be happening. You can, anyone can watch us on Facebook live, but if you'd like to jump into the zoom with us, join us on Patreon. You can listen anytime on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. You can watch us live Wednesday afternoons on our Facebook page. And if you'd like to find a group of folks talking about this stuff, a pub theology group in your town, visit pubtheology.com to check out the official directory. And if there's not one, you can find information to start your own. But we've got hundreds of groups around the country and beyond. So it'd be great to have you uh, have a group to add to the map. Until next time, friends, drink responsibly and keep those conversations flowing.